The Minnesota Wild once again get an opportunity to adjust after a Game 4 loss at the XL Energy Center for Game 5. What changes will we see in the lineup? What needs to change in the game plan? We take a look at everything we may see tonight in Game 5 here on Locked on Wild. You're Locked on Wild. Your daily podcast on the Minnesota Wild. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Locked On Wild, your daily Minnesota Wild podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked on Wild your first listen each and every day. And just as a reminder, Locked on Wild is free and available wherever you listen to podcasts. On today's episode of Locked on Wild, we preview game five, including looking at players that need to step up, how the Wilds can get back to their game plan that worked in games two and three, and some stats as to how important the early start and an early push is to teams not only in this series, but throughout the Stanley Cup playoffs as well. My name is Seth Topal, host of Locked on Wild, your host of the show and veteran Minnesota sports content producer with well over a decade's worth of experience covering your favorite Minnesota sports teams here in the state of Minnesota through their ups, through their downs, and through their playoff performances. Happy to have you along for a Tuesday edition as we gear up for tonight's Game 5 between the Wild and the Blues. And uh, the Wild, once again, are the team that is in the spotlight with a chance to adjust and a chance to come back after uh, losing in Game 4. It'll once again be on Dean Evison's shoulders to uh, try to get this team to respond, something that they did all season long, something that they did in Game 2 and something that they will once again need to do here in Game 5 to try to, uh, again, get the upper hand in this series. And an interesting stat that popped up during the broadcast of Flames Stars. The team that scores first in these Stanley Cup playoffs so far, I'm not sure exactly if it was... Um, if it was factoring in that Flame Stars game and then also the fact that the Avalanche were playing the Predators at the same time. During the broadcast, they mentioned that the team that scores first in these playoffs is 24-4 and in the playoffs so far. The percentage of wins in the regular season in those instances was at like 60%. Now, in the playoffs, it has ratcheted up quite a bit to uh, well over 80% um, by my semi-good math. And so, you know, you look at the, uh, the series between the Wild and the Blues, and every team that has scored first in this series has won. The Blues won game one and four. The Wild won games two and three. And so... Obviously, the Wilds were a team that did a great job when they were facing deficits um, throughout the course of the regular season. Had plenty of comeback wins 
throughout the uh, the regular year. But I think it just goes to show you how difficult it is to complete comebacks in the postseason. Um, when you're facing a team multiple times, it's just the, the number of surprise ways that you can beat a team is uh, is less. And it, we saw it in the Capitals, the Panthers game, I think because in the times that there are comebacks is just how backbreaking they can be for the opponents. Uh, the Capitals, after throttling the Panthers 6-1 to one in Game 3, had the Panthers on the ropes in Game 4. It came down to the final minute, and uh, the Panthers able to score the game-tying goal, and then in overtime they win it. And the series certainly isn't done with that uh, being tied at 2-2, but it just it felt like a backbreaker for that Capitals team. And it shows you that when you have opportunities in which you can close out a team, you got to do it. So that early push, the early tone setting has been crucial in this series for the both the Wild and the Blues, which is why in just looking at how this game needs to be approached by the Minnesota Wild, they have to do what the Blues did in Game 4, and they have to storm out of the gate and uh, treat this truly as a must-win game. It certainly would not signal the end of the series, because obviously there would still be two games left after this one is finished, and so uh, the Wilds could win those two and still win the series, but... With two games at home, with this being one of the games at home, this is a must-win for the Minnesota Wilds. And they need to treat it as such. The St. Louis Blues did that in Game 4. The Wilds did not match their their play. And uh, as a result, it took the Wilds a while to get going in that game. And they ended up losing. You can't do that a second time in a row. You can't do that at home. They have to be able to provide um, some energy and some physicality to match the Blues and uh, use that to lead to some goals to take the early hand in this one and uh, to be able to get the energy on their crowd are on their side, get the crowd on their side. And we we saw perfect examples of, of why things went so well in games two and games three is because the Wilds got the early goals, especially in game three. They got the early goals to take the St. Louis crowd out of it and uh, to neutralize some of that home ice advantage. Uh, the Wilds got their crowd into it in game two. And so... Early goals to get the crowd energized and to force St. Louis to focus on playing hockey as opposed to finishing checks and and being more concerned about hits and about uh, frustrating players into uh, committing penalties. If the Wild get an early lead of a couple of goals... They will force St. Louis to kind of readjust their style. And it's just 
this is just the most important game of the season for the Minnesota Wild, and as a result, it needs to be treated as such. And having said that, there are several players that can certainly step up their performance to assist in the Wild playing up to this most important game of the season, a must-win for the Wild here in Game 5. And uh, we'll look at some of those players and what they can do in order to um, in order to help the Wilds pick up a huge win in Game 5. We'll do that when we come back here on Locked on Wild after this. Our partners at BetOnline.net continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including the NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NLF futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information, from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. So head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. You can find all that and more at BetOnline where the game starts. Continuing today's episode of Lockdown Wild, once again, thank you for making Lockdown Wild your first listen each and every day. Once your first listen of the day is done, make sure you head over to the Locked On NHL podcast to get the full lowdown on everything going on throughout the NHL with scores from last night's games, as well as a look at some of the games going on throughout the Stanley Cup playoffs here tonight. The Locked On NHL podcast is free and available wherever you listen to podcasts. Players that need to step up their performance for a Game 5 win for the Minnesota Wilds. Uh, Kevin Fiala, we talked about him yesterday. He has been a, a very key discussion point over the uh, last 48 hours, and uh, rightfully so. Uh, has not provided that secondary scoring punch that uh, that the Wild got from that line uh, the entire back half of last season. Now, the Blues have tried to keep that line quiet as much as they possibly can, and to this point, they certainly have. The hope being is that uh, there was something found to build off of in game four that uh, can lead to this team or that lead to this line being more productive the rest of the way. And you know, you look at just some of the other things that go on throughout the course of the game. We hypothesized yesterday about some potential line changes for this wild team. And went back and looked at what has been the average time on ice for that fourth line so far in this series. It's not even remotely close to what I anticipated it would be um, when I first started digging. I mean, you look at uh, you look at game one. Nick Delorier played seven minutes forty nine seconds. Brandon Duhame six minutes thirty nine seconds. Tyson Jost nine and a half minutes. Game two, Jost played 14, almost 15 minutes. Delorier played seven. Duhame played five. In game three, the uh, Delorier and Duhame combo, Delorier played just under 10, Duhame just under nine, and Jost played 12 and a half. And then in uh, game four, 
Delorier played 6.45, Duhame played 5.58, and Jost played 8.32. So it, we looked at it as, well, maybe that would be an opportunity for uh, for Nick Bugstad to, to hop in and for you know Connor Dewar to hop in as well. I think what is interesting is that you are obviously trying to get Tyson Jost on the ice a little more than, uh, than his line mates. And so you look at uh, just the lack of minutes that those guys have been getting. But um, the other thing I think is interesting as well is that um, your wings for the, uh, the grief line as well, their minutes have been uh, a little bit down here uh, over a couple of these games. But it, it leads me to the point that I don't know necessarily that changes to the fourth line, and maybe they would help provide just a little bit of a spark, but if you're only having those guys on the ice for seven or eight minutes a night, um, what role are they really serving? Uh, and if that's the case, then you know maybe you do slot Duhame, or, uh, Dewar and Bugstad in just to see if those minutes while sparingly uh, can be more effective uh, with those guys on the ice. But um, that just points to the bigger issue here in that the Wild are going to need bigger performances and more scoring from Kevin Fiala, Matt Boldy, and Freddie Goudreau. And Props to Matt Boldy and to Kevin Fiala as well. They talked about it after the game and they talked about it you know, in uh, some of their media availability uh, heading into Game 5, is that they, they need to be better. And so for all of the pointing out that this is a line that has managed two goals through the first four games of this series, and that's really all they've had in terms of points, uh, you look at what the Kaprizov line has done, and Kaprizov has six points by himself. Ryan Hartman's got five points, uh, and then Matt Zuccarello's got three. So 14 points from that top line in four games. You've got nine points from the grief line in the four games. So you're getting scoring from those guys. But I think what I think what this ultimately this team needs is all three of those lines being able to produce and the grief line being able to throw some goals in has uh, has created opportunities for them to continue on the ice. Um, and so if you get three lines that can score when they're out there, that puts a ton of pressure on those Blues defensemen who are being asked to play astronomical minutes because they just don't have anybody else that can do it. And so... You put pressure on those guys. You lead to them getting tired. But more importantly, I think, if you've got tired skaters on the ice, it allows you to further maintain the puck and pepper the net, which was the thing that I think was most noticeably absent in Game 4 with Jordan Bennington in the net. Is They just they never seemed like they really challenged him. Um especially early in that game. So 
we need to see a much better performance and some scoring from the Fiala Boldy Goudreau line, and hope hopefully that goal in Game Four will give them the jolt that they need in order to um, to do that here in uh, in Game Five. Uh, the grief line, a rare off night for them, uh, especially defensively, and so I would expect that those guys will bounce back. Um, Willing to look at that as more of an anomaly because of how good they've been in other uh, parts of this series, especially games two and three. Um, So they are primed for a bounce back performance here in game five. And uh, if they do that, if the Fiala line lives up to their end of the bargain and the Kaprizov line continues doing their things, that's going to put a lot of pressure on St. Louis and uh, is going to lead to um, is going to lead to some good looks for this team and ultimately I think a uh, bounce back performance that will lead to some really good things in game five. Uh, we're going to finish by talking about the goalie situation because again we've seen uh, some uh, calls for Cam Talbot to get the start and uh, we'll just kind of pull back and look at why Marc-Andre Fleury may have been the single biggest reason that the Wild were in Game 4 as long as they were. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll talk Marc-Andre Fleury versus Cam Talbot for Game 5 to finish today's episode of Locked on Wild after this. Final segment of today's episode of Locked on Wild, and once again, thank you for making Locked on Wild your first listen each and every day. Uh, again, a reminder that uh, once your first listen of the day is done, make sure that you are uh, checking out the Locked On Now podcast. Nightly recaps of every NHL game with analysis from our local experts. Locked On Now is free and available wherever you listen to your podcasts. Now, in Game 4, Mark andre Fleury ended up with what looks like a uh, not-so-great uh, score sheet. Although, early on in that game, especially when the Wild were killing off uh, the penalties in the first period, I think Marc-Andre Fleury's play was very good. You look at what led to the first goal for the Blues, a bad rebound that, uh, that took another perfect bounce, and uh, Flurry not able to contain it, the wild defense not able to clear it, and um, just the the perfect storm that once again led to the Blues getting a uh, a putback goal uh, because the rebound kicked right to a waiting Blues player. Um, other than other than that, in the first period, you know, Flurry definitely kept the team in it while they tried to kind of get their their legs underneath them. Um, and uh, match the pace that the Blues had set from the beginning of the game. Now, in the second period, certainly was was a little more on Flurry. The the Blues had the two goals that they scored right off the bat, within uh, 54 seconds of each other, to really take control of that game. You look at what happened with the the other two goals is uh, the empty netter for the Blues and then a power play goal like right at the end of the game 
uh, in kind of a, a weird spot. And so uh, it's a it's a situation similar to game one. I think Flurry was fine. I just the team didn't necessarily do him any favors in front. And so I I don't see a a need to pull the trigger and uh, and put Cam Talbot in at this point. Now, I'm looking at one side of this because as has been pointed out and it's, you know, it's it's a valid argument. Talbot's numbers down the stretch, very, very hard to argue with. The uh, unbeaten streak, I think he was uh, 13-0-3 in his last 16 starts for the Minnesota Wild, which is an, an incredible stretch of hockey, and it deserves to be commended for sure. The things that I worry about are the regular season numbers against the St. Louis Blues and the three games that he played. I I still, even though we went through and dissected the elements of those games, I still have concerns about that and the message that that sends to the team. If you were to put in Talbot anywhere to have a similar performance that he did against the Blues in the regular season. Because then you have moved to Talbot. If he struggles, do you go immediately back to Flurry, or do you continue with Talbot to give him a chance to uh, to get his feet wet? His numbers also were at their worst on three-plus days of rest, which obviously this counts as because he hasn't started uh, since the playoffs, uh, since before the playoffs began. And, you know, his his numbers in the playoffs as well are uh, right around 500. I think he's 14 and 14 in the playoffs. I- again, it just, it comes down to this is why the Wild went and got Marc-Andre Fleury was to be the playoff goalie and to be the one that could help get this team to where they wanted to go. And we've seen Marc-Andre Fleury be really good at points in this series. We've seen the team in front of Fleury not do him any favors. We've also seen some moments uh, and some goals that Fleury, I think, definitely would want back. The thing that we haven't yet seen in this series, and maybe it's being saved for, uh, for game six, we don't know, we have not yet really seen a game that we can point to and say, Marc-Andre Fleury stole one. And that ability exists. The potential for him to do that exists, which makes him, I think, the better of the two options, uh, especially for the po- the playoffs. Even if Even if that doesn't happen, even if it doesn't materialize, the potential for that to happen still exists and still has to be in the back of the opposing team's mind is that, hey, if we don't get one on Flurry early, we may not get one. And, I mean, look at what he did in Game 3. If not for a, uh, a goal in the third period, 
we may have had a flurry shutout in game three of the postseason against the St. Louis Blues. Let that sink in. And so his play, like I said, Flurry has had some really good moments in this series. There have been some goals allowed because the play in front of him has not been good. There have been a couple of goals that I'm sure he would want back. Marc-Andre Fleury has the potential to steal a game when the Wild need one. And so for that reason, also for what Cam Talbot did against the Blues in the regular season, I stick with him at this point. You've committed this far. It's nice to have the Cam Talbot option if something goes wrong, if Flurry were to, dare I say, get injured or something along those lines that you can go to Cam Talbot. But at this point, if anybody is getting you through this this series against the Blues, it's going to be Marc-Andre Fleury. And so he that'd be a great opportunity for him to uh, to absolutely quiet that offense and to um to give this team a uh, a big win in game 5 but again all on the wild to respond after what happened in game 4 and much like they did in game 2 i think this team is going to get off the mat and is going to respond in earnest and uh, is going to uh, to do some really good things here in Game 5. So if we can see a bounce-back effort from the grief line, if we get what we saw during the regular season from the Fiala line, if we get some scoring from those guys, and if we get some semblance of a working power play, this team's going to bounce back in a big way. And so... Those are the biggest things, I think, to uh, to key in on for Game 5, uh, which is going on here tonight. And so we'll see if the Wild can pull ahead in the series by uh, taking a three games to two lead here by winning this evening. That will do it for today's episode of Locked on Wild. So now, once again, that your first listen of the day is done, make sure you head over to Locked on Sports Minnesota. And check out both the Ron Johnson Show and Superior Sports Talk to get all of your favorite Minnesota sports teams on the biggest sports opinions. Both the Ron Johnson Show and Superior Sports Talk are free and available wherever you listen to your podcasts. Just like Locked on Wild, listen wherever you take in your podcasts free of charge. Also make sure to follow us on social media at Locked on Wild so that you can stay up to date with everything going on throughout the Wild Blues series as the Wild try to make it a three games to two lead by winning game five. We've got new episodes coming out every Monday through Friday to keep you up to date on your favorite Minnesota hockey team as part of the Locked on Podcast Network.